Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks, and today I'm joined by Raphael Jukabin, Tom Serrett, Jake Smalley and Francesca Amesbury. Thanks everyone for joining me. And we're going to kick off uh, today by looking at uh, who the winter champions were. Obviously, that was crowned this weekend. Uh, AC Milan keep their place at the top of the table, but not uh, in the way they'd have liked. They suffered a 3-0 home defeat uh, against Atalanta. Raphael, what were your thoughts? Um, was this merely a blip for Milan or is it something more than that, given that they've lost to two of their direct rivals for the title in January? I'd like to think it was a blip because I think even though it was a heavy defeat, obviously, you can pretty you can pretty much clearly identify where where Pioli went wrong in that in that game. I think he made a few tactical errors which which obviously Atalanta exploited to the fullest and credit to them. But uh, you had you had choices like um like the new playing the new signing Mate as a playmaker which I thought was quite an odd choice, even if they were quite short in terms of injuries. You know, it, he's not really, that's not really his position. It's not really where, he's, where he excels. It's not, it's not the position he was signed to play. And I think because of that, because of the fact that he's, uh, he was basically playing out of position in what is a very important role, their attacks never really got going. You know, there wasn't really that much of a, the transitions one one that one that good. Um, I think obviously you have a few players that are a bit out of form as well. Tonali is well; he's been struggling a bit all season, but we saw it again defensively. He's not really at the races, and I think in general, you know, the, the weaknesses in their squad are showing. So I wouldn't say it's panic stations, obviously, because they are top of the league still, and they are, you know, the. Bar those, uh, barring those two, those two defeats, they have been doing exceptionally well, and the fact that they have managed to get in a few good signings, a few to sort of strengthen the um, strengthen the squad on the cheap as well, which is which is quite impressive from the, from Maldini. I think they're you know they're, they're obviously on the right track for now, and I, I yeah I, I think it is worrying in the sense that. They, you know, they are picking up these heavy defeats. But on the other hand, I think there are sort of clear lessons that Pioli can um, can learn from these and sort of adapt as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, as as you mentioned there, they've actually had quite a good week in the transfer market, bringing in Maite from Torino and, of course, Mario Mandzukic back in Syria. Um, Francesco, going to come to you next. Um, do you think, even though they have made those couple of good signings, there are still some quite big gaps in the team, perhaps. This weekend, they were missing Ben Asser, who's been out for a while now, as well as Romagnoli and Chalanoglu. Do you, do you think without some of their key players, they they simply can't reach the level that they've had for most of this season and, and that could come back to haunt them as the season progresses? I think they've, they've actually done really well whilst having missed those players. And um, the two... The two uh, defeats that they've had have actually been against two of Serie A's strongest sides. I mean, there's no real shame in losing to Juve and Atalanta. Um, they've they've been able to beat everyone else, 
Um, so they've done a pretty good job with the squad they've had. Uh, I agree with the points that Raf made about how how good um, Milan have been at bringing in players this season. They've constructed a, a good squad with some really good alternatives and they haven't missed Rongagnoli and Benassar and other players when they have been out so far. Um, I think generally it's going to be tough, even when, when all of the players are fit for Milan to sustain what they've done so far this season right up until the end of the season. Um, I think the other teams around them, Inter, Juve, even Atalanta, are probably a little bit better. Um, but I do think that Milan are, are doing a good job in that there's no need to overspend um, and it, would, it wouldn't be the right thing to do. They have a decent squad. And when those players do come back, that they are going to feel the benefit, I think. And that is going to be important because I think... It, you know, we don't know if it's going to be a little blip here or if they do uh, kind of fall away a bit. I think the next three games for them are big because um, they're all very winnable. And after that, it's the derby against Inter. And so these next three games are important for Milan. If they can do a good job over the next three games, pick up all nine points, then I think they're going to be looking good for the end of the season. Um, and whilst I agree that it's not panic stations yet, I do think that there's a chance they're going to start looking over their shoulders because although they they probably never thought they were going to be in the title race uh, from from the start of the season, they probably were hoping to qualify for the Champions League and everything is bunched up a little bit and now their lead to fourth place is only seven points. So they've got these seven points to defend from now until the end of the season and I think that is kind of the bigger aim for Milan staying in those Champions League places, which would be a big result for them getting back into the Champions League after having missed it for a while. And also looking forwards from an economic perspective as well, helping them re-establish themselves at the top of the Italian game and, and as a European force. Yeah, as you mentioned there, it has really bunched up at the top. Um, you said there's only seven points to fourth. In fact, as well, there's also only seven points to fifth. And in fifth place is Atalanta, Tom, they were fully deserving of their 3-0 victory. I was very impressed by them this weekend. Given that they're seven points behind and they had an excellent second half of the season last year, do you see them as genuine title contenders, given how well they seem to be coping with all the turmoil surrounding Papu Gomez's departure as well? I mean, I think the Papu Gomez issue is sort of resolving itself. And I think one of the reasons why they're actually doing so well is because they were sort of able to push the whole issue into the background, uh, not just as like a team, but as a club as a whole. And they're able to move on and sort of find solutions to, the, to their squad problems within the team. And what was so great to see about this performance is that everyone was able to step up when needed to on the big occasion. Uh, with regards to whether they are title contenders. I'm not quite sure yet we can talk about it because they did really, they did play poorly early on in the season and they just came out with that blip of form. And I think for now, I mean, they're fifth at the moment. So I think firstly, they should sort of aim for those kind of Champions League places and take it step by step. Their next games in the league against Lazio and Napoli will be very important because that's, they are in a title race or like just pursuing those Champions League positions, it's, we'll get the answer to those questions, whether they are able to dispatch those rivals that they need to be able to do so if they want to fight for the title. 
However, if they do continue on this trajectory, there is no doubt that they can put in a good uh, fight for the Champions League at least. Uh, because what we are seeing in terms of their form is that Atalanta we sort of grew to love over the last few seasons. So that everyone's on the ball, everyone's scoring. So yeah, and I think the defences have been much better as well against AC and against Milan because they didn't, Milan didn't really produce any big opportunities. Uh, Leao had a few bright moments at the start of the game, but they were very effective in neutralising as that fan's presence on the pitch, which not many other teams were able to do so in past games this season. So, yeah, they are definitely on the right track. Yeah, certainly seem to be. They've now scored 25 goals in their last nine in all competitions. But then again, they did previously draw with Genoa and Udinese in the two games leading up to the Milan one. So still not, you know, absolutely firing on all cylinders, but certainly getting that way. Okay, I now want to move on to um, Milan's biggest rivals in the title race currently, and that's Inter. And I'm, I'm going to come to you, Jake, um, our Inter expert, of course. Um, they could only draw nil-nil with Udinese on the weekend. Bit of a disappointment, particularly after such a dominant win over Juve the previous weekend. Is it results like this that make you doubt whether Inter can get over the finish line come the end of the season and end that 11-year wait for the title? Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, I think this Inter side have definitely got that kind of result in them as Inter historically have that sort of result in them. I think uh, it'd be, it's really disappointing given the uh, manner of the win over Juventus. I think it's probably, it was probably a good time for them to be playing Juventus. Um, but look, looking at it from an Udinese point of view, they've just come off the back of a really good, strong draw against Atalanta. They've got a manager in there who the players obviously quite like in uh, Gotti, who seems to have a bit of a question mark over his future at the minute. So uh, I think it's a bit of half a dozen one, half a dozen the other. I think Inter could play it on a bit better. Uh, they didn't quite probe enough, didn't really create enough chances to do enough to really win the game. It was a bit drab. Uh, but I think Udinese, you can't take everything away from them, I think, especially the goalkeeper and defensively, they're, they're pretty solid. And they look like a team that are fighting to keep all of their manager. Uh, for me, that's, that's how I saw it anyway. Uh, but in terms of into sort of long-term... Uh, ambitions. It's it's really really frustrating, it, and it does seem that sort of Patsa inter style performance really to look at on paper. Um, that they, they do they do tend to get to this situation where they get everything behind them. They go on a good winning streak, similar to the result against Sampdoria uh, a couple of weeks back. They put themselves in a really good position, and they sort of shoot themselves in the foot. But um, at the end of the day, it's it's a long season. I think if I was into it, uh, I'd just be worried about the teams that are coming below them, potentially Juventus who. Um, although we're pretty poor against um, Inter last week, they followed up with two victories, and um, Milan are dropping points a little bit at the moment, and that's keeping Inter sort of very close behind them. But if both of them continue to drop points like they have this weekend, it'll soon sort of suck up, um, sort of close behind them. I mean, that's good for us as neutrals to be watching that, but Inter might be a little bit concerned. But uh, their Achilles heels, just their inability to sort of break teams down a little bit. It's been a, a common thing. We thought Christian Eriksen might solve that 12 months ago and that really hasn't worked and it doesn't look like there is any money to sort of strengthen that area for Inter. So um, as much as they might be a little bit concerned um, and it is the kind of result that will sort of halt them in the uh, path a little bit and that will be something they want to work on. Let's give Udinese a little bit of credit as well because I thought they were pretty good defensively. They knew how to close out the game in key moments as well. Call it gamesmanship if you want, but if it's effective, it works, doesn't it? So that's, yeah, that's how I saw it. 
yeah, of course, not all doom and gloom for Inter. They did close the gap by a point. They're now just two behind Milan. But but as you mentioned there, Jake, um, Juve have followed up that defeat last weekend with two impressive wins, to, uh, a couple of 2-0 wins against Napoli, of course, in the Supercoppa. And then this weekend, they beat Bologna 2-0. So, Raphael, given that Delict came back this weekend from coronavirus and... Um, Chiellini's come back in recent weeks as well. Do you now feel that with a fully fit squad, pretty much, Juve can perhaps start to put together a bit of a charge um, to close that gap at the top of the table? I think the fact that they're back up to their full complement will definitely help. But at the same time, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really draw any sort of major conclusions from the last few, uh, from the last few games. I mean, Napoli, especially based on the evidence of, uh, of this week. Um, aren't really the sort of barometer to, to judge them by. And Bologna, Bologna just haven't really been at the races for half of their matches this season. So I'm, I'm, I'd be wary of, you know, jumping to sort of, sort of the conclusion that they're back in the title race. But I think we are definitely seeing um, just an identity around what, um, what Pilo is looking for, sort of forming more and more every week. I really, I really, I really like just the um, how their midfield, how their midfield interacts. Juventus, I think the, um, I mean, their summer signings, Arthur and, and McKennie, especially, were brilliant against Bologna and have been increasingly doing well uh, over the course of the season. And I think the fact that if those two plus their their other their other summer signings like Morata. Uh, the more the more those two get are integrated into the team and sort of get clicking with the rest of their their teammates, the likely they are to mount a tighter challenge. So, I think on the one hand, yeah, I, I think Pirlo has done a good job in the sense that you know he is he is managing to to get to get the team playing you know in a, in a decent decent enough way using all of his um, using all of the players that are at his disposal. But on the other hand. The fact that they were in such a slump with them, with so few absences, does make you worry. You know, were them, what would happen if, if let's say, if, um, some what, another player like McKenny got um, was injured at some point in the season? Will will would he be, would Pirlo be able to adapt? And you know, on the evidence of the, of the last few weeks, I would. The season in general, he hasn't really been able to adapt to adversity in the way that maybe past Juventus managers have, like a, like Allegri. So I think it's too early to say generally, but I, I, I mean, on the whole, on the balance, on the balance of things, it is positive for Juventus. Yeah, I think we were we were wondering after the Inter game whether that was a sort of changing of the guard result, but they have bounced back well since then. And of course, if they win their game in hand, they're only four points off top. So still very much in the hunt. Um, but a team that are currently just ahead of them is Roma. Um, and they were involved in by far the craziest game of the weekend. This was this was ridiculous, to be honest. Beating Spezia 4-3 with a last-minute goal. Um, Francesco, was this their biggest result of the season, given what's been going on? And also in relation to that, do you think that Fonseca is right to be under pressure for his job? Or do you think he's being harshly treated given that they are actually third in the table? I think it's, uh, it, is a, it is a big result for them, but I think it's in keeping with 
the, the season so far. Um, it's pretty typical of Roma to to score quite a few goals, but also concede quite a lot. I think they've got the 13th best defence in the league, which is pretty good going considering they're third. Um, so they concede a lot of goals, which is which is a bit of a concern. But they are scoring a lot as well. I think it's a good win considering they were missing Zeko, Pedro and Mkhitaryan, who have been really good for them this season. And I think in terms of Fonseca, I think he is being harshly treated because if... If you look at the beginning of the season, I don't think anyone, well, maybe some people, but I don't think the majority of people would have put Roma this high up in the league for them to be third in a Champions League spot. I know they had a pretty poor defeat in the Coppa Italia against Spezia, but they also won their Europa League group. I don't know what else Fonseca could have done to this point to, you know, to make things better. Um, I think because of the emphasis that we put on the on the big games um, where Roma have done badly. They haven't beaten anyone in the top seven this season. And especially the emphasis that's put on the derby, which was a 3-0 defeat and, and quite a comprehensive defeat by Lazio. It's actually, in the last couple of weeks, made Roma look worse than they actually are because to be third at this stage of the season is, is pretty good going. And I'm sure they would have taken that at the beginning of the season. Um, and so I think overall... If, if you do think that Fonseca is doing a bad job, then you're probably not using the right parameters to measure success because being third at this stage of season is good. Um, I think the other thing that's probably adding to the pressure at the moment is the rumours of who might be in line to replace him. Um, there's been talk of Allegri coming in. Allegri is so highly rated and the kind of manager that, that could make a difference to a team that um, it's bound to unsettle things because he he you know he he is such a, an important figure in the Italian game and, and I suppose Roma might also be thinking there if, if there is a chance to get him that chance is now not at the end of the season when other possibly bigger clubs might also be in for him so that all adds to Fonseca's pressure I think but I think generally Fonseca has done a really quite a good job and and yeah the rumours about him possibly being sacked are, are unfair and yeah he's doing well for me yeah I think uh, the one thing as you say that's mostly working against him is how sort of clear cut those defeats have been that they've had this season um, you know a four, four one defeats and three nil defeats really sort of stand out uh, but we'll have to see how that progresses because that, that was a huge result for for him uh, and on to another manager who may be coming under a bit of pressure and uh, and that's Gennaro Gattuso at Napoli um, Tom we saw them them lose 3-1 against Verona despite scoring inside about 10 seconds this weekend um, there may not be a more inconsistent side in the league than Napoli right now we saw them thrash Fiorentina just a week ago so what, what do you make of them and, and do you think it's right that Gattuso is under pressure for his job I think there are many facets to this whole issue. I think one of the reasons that they did not perform meet expectations is that in that particular game in Verona is that they're still feeling the psychological and just even the physical effects of losing to Juventus in the Super Copa Italia because they were, even though they lost 2-0, I felt throughout that game they were very much in it and they, they missed the penalty. Chesney had an amazing match. So... You know, losing that match must have hurt them quite a bit. And in the game against Verona, they were just completely off the pace. They were not well organised at all. They were caught in the counter. However, on the other hand, we must give 
credit to Verona. They're, they were able to exploit Napoli's weaknesses very well, which is a completely different story. But in terms of Gattuso's job, I think it's too harsh to judge Gattuso just yet because he has changed the style of play that they were playing compared to last season. Because last season, they were much more defensive-minded, whilst this season, they're much more focusing on, on their attacks and on their front four. You know, players need time to learn a new system. And, you know, sometimes the odd loss has to be accommodated in a way. And I feel with Napoli's management, I feel Gattuso is here for the long run and he is building more of a long-term project that is based around high-energy attacking football with constant press, which does take time to develop. And it's not something that, you know, you can do week in, week out. Like it's in the name, it's high-energy. And against Juventus, they were trying that. And and obviously, you know, playing the same kind of football, you know, twice a week is difficult. And I feel in a way, not related to this game in particular, but with just their general inconsistency against bigger teams is problem is that Napoli, I feel, don't show as much respect to the bigger teams as they did last season. Because when they went into that kind of semi-final and final in the Coppa Italia last season, they played much more defensively on the counter, knowing that the other teams had much better team, like much better players individually. And I feel in order to take on teams like Juve and the two clubs from Milan, they might need to show a bit more just respect on the pitch, play a bit more defensive, defensively minded, which does not, which is completely different to that kind of 6-0 Fiorentina win, which we saw. And I don't think many, I wasn't personally expecting them to be battling for the title the way we are sort of seeing them attempting to. And they, they are still seven points off from the top and two from the Champions League. So have, they have plenty of time to reach their targets. So, yeah, I think, I don't think, I mean, Gattuso might be under pressure, but I don't think his job is on the line. Yeah, as, as you say, Napoli do have that game in hand. Of course, it is against Juventus, but were they to win that, they would only be six points off top. So it's a very strange league this season, so, so tight that a couple of results can really change it round for a team. And and we've actually seen that with the team I'm coming on to next. That's Lazio. I think we thought they were really sort of up and down earlier in the season, but they've now won five in a row in all competitions. Raphael, are we starting to see the sort of side that we saw last season that at one stage looked like they could challenge for the Scudetto or are they not quite at that level yet after they picked up a 2-1 win against Sassuolo on Sunday? I think we are seeing them back to their best but obviously it is a bit too late in terms of getting back into the title race in the in the same vein that they were last season but it is definitely um, it's, it's definitely um, encouraging really I think at the same time just on the basis of this game, I think we're seeing that Sassuolo once again are just in you know, a bit of a slump since the, since the start of the year, really. They haven't been able to, to replicate their form for the, since the start of the season. And it's, yeah, it's all a bit, it's all gone a bit stale in a way in terms of the, uh, the style of play and what they're actually bringing to the table in terms of the um, philosophy. They've, they've, I wouldn't say collapsed, but they've, um, They've hit. They've hit a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a bad run, really. So, 
you have you do have to take that into account when uh, when analysing the game. But yeah, I think when it comes to Lazio, I think uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to to judge actually moving into February March because we do say that they they're on, they're in their best form when they only play once a week. Obviously, this week there were there were actually two games, but generally speaking, because of the because of how thin their squad is in terms of quality players, in terms of the gap between their starting eleven and the substitutes, we tend to say that you know they are they are when they're playing once a week they can beat any any team in the league. We saw that we saw that last season, and we were seeing that again in this sort of mid-season uh, sort of period. Obviously, when European football restarts, will they, you know, will will we see that slump again? Will will their squad be stretched, stretched even more? Because we saw, we saw when they were when they were playing the group stages, yeah, the first half of the season, they they weren't really able to to balance it as much as they could. Even though they did put in some very good performances in the Champions League, there was, you know, there 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 was a bit of a, a bit of a struggle to to balance out. The uh, sort of match fitness, especially with a lot of players getting um, being being out with COVID. So, I mean, it's 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 definitely an encouraging uh, encouraging result. I think they're back in the race for uh, for the top four, definitely. Yeah, certainly seems to be that way. And I want to touch on Sassuolo as well because we did feel at one point that perhaps they were in the race for the top four. That now seems beyond them, but perhaps they could get back into the Europa League. Francesco, just looking at the next month for Sassuolo, their fixtures are Cagliari, Spezia, Crotone, Bologna and Torino. They look quite appealing fixtures on paper. Do you Are you backing them to perhaps turn things around at the end of January, moving into February, and they can perhaps push back towards that top seven? Or do you think that they will come down and, and just finish the season in mid-table? I think... Uh, the the latter is more likely. I think this this game with Lazio was was big in the context of European qualification. Uh, Sassuolo had such a good start to the season, and at one point it did look like they were real contenders to to qualify at least for the Europa League. But Lazio have really stepped it up over the last month, and I think going forwards, I I think it's going to be difficult. It's difficult for me to believe that the Lazio are going to drop more points than Sassuolo uh, from now till the end of the season. So I think the chance of Sassuolo getting back into the European places is, is is unlikely, and and all the other top kind of seven sides, kind of globally, are doing quite well. Um, it means that it's difficult for those mid-table teams to to break into the European places. So I think it is going to be tough for Sassuolo. Um, but having said that, I still think they should consider this a good season. I think what you're saying about the the upcoming features. Uh, the upcoming fixtures, there is a chance that, that Sassuolo put a run together. But from now till the end of the season, I think it's difficult for them to, to break back into those places. And they play really good football, um, you know, compared to the budget of the teams that they're competing for for those, for those places, their budget is, is tiny. So they're doing a really good job as they are. But yeah, I think eventually they are probably going to finish mid-table. Yeah, certainly seems uh, the next month is going to be crucial for them if they ask to turn things around. So we'll see how that pans out. Okay, I now want to focus the attention on the other end of the league, and we had some really big matches actually at the at the uh, at the bottom of the table. We're going to start with uh, Benevento Torino, which finished two 0 
this was on Friday night. Um, Benevento roared into a 2-0 lead, but Torino came back 2-0, last-minute equaliser, manager running on the pitch at the end. Um, Jake, what did you what did you make of that for Torino? They've obviously just changed their manager with Davide Nicola coming in. Do you think that with him in charge, they will have enough to stay up? Or are you still worried that uh, that they could well go down this year? Uh, I think Torino are a bit of a funny one. Uh, I think a couple of years ago when uh, Walter Mazzari was in there, um, I mean, they finished in the Europa League spots, playing Wolves in the qualifier, didn't quite make it to the uh, knockout stages. But uh, they looked like they were on a bit of an upward curve. But uh, that seemed to sort of fizzle out a little bit and they've been sort of going downhill since. Um, I'm not massively convinced uh, by the appointment of the manager. Um, I don't think he's got a great track record. His last job at Genoa not going uh, all that well. Um, and losing Mate, I think, is a big one for them as well. I think he's a really key player. And uh, he must be disappointed as well because of the fact that he might not get a look in at uh, Milan once uh, Ben Asur's back. Um it's quite a tough one. I've been looking through the fixtures and they've got a couple of uh, sort of interesting games coming up and they play Fiorentina next, uh, which is obviously a big game given that Fiorentina is sort of struggling that end of the table as well. But then they travel to Atalanta, you know, then they play Genoa and then Calgary. So they're playing a lot of teams sort of around them. So hopefully maybe I could be proven wrong and the new manager might come in, they might get a bit of a bounce. Um, but it, it, it is going to really rest on this next sort of half a dozen games. They play Crotone in there as well. They play Lazio. So they've got some really, really crunch games. I don't know if they've quite got enough about them, but the key man, as always, is definitely Bellotti. If Bellotti can score goals, which he has done the last couple of seasons, despite them being very, very poor, um, that should keep them uh, in with a shout. Um, as well, you've also got um, Zaza. If uh, the manager can get Zaza scoring, like he somehow managed to do this weekend, that could be a bit of a godsend for them because nobody quite knows how to get the best out of Simone Zaza. Um, I, I'm not convinced on paper, but it was encouraging them to see some char- uh, show, show them there, uh, see them showing some character to come back from behind. Benevento have had a pretty good season this year. They look like they're probably comfortably going to stay up. So traveling there is not easy as well. So um, early signs don't look too bad, but in the long run, they're going to have to hit the ground running instantly. And in the long run, whether this manager's got it in him, I'm not sure. But like I say, it all sort of rests around Bellotti for me. I think he's the key man if Trino are going to do anything. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. Bellotti so important for them up front, banging the goals in. If he's not firing, the team struggles as well. And of course, you mentioned they've got Fiorentina next and Fiorentina got back to winning ways this weekend, seeing off Crotone 2-1. Really important result, particularly after that recent thrashing against Napoli. Tom, do you feel that perhaps they can turn a corner going into the second half of the season or... Are they still going to sort of underwhelm and just finish, you know, m- lower mid-table? Well, it really depends. There were some, definitely some promising signs in this game. So Bonaventura, Amrabat and Castrovilli really took excellent command of the midfield. And Lajovic's goal was like a result of excellent team play. And in the first half, at least, they were in complete control of the game. The second half was much more balanced, I felt. It just seemed that the sides like Fiorentina should have been able to be more assertive over a team that is bottom of the league and has been pretty much for the whole season. Again, I don't think they'll get relegated, but it should have been a much, much more comfortable victory if we're thinking about, if we talk about whether they're turning a corner or not. However, when we look at the long-term season of Fiorentina and we consider, you know, 
whether bringing in Prandelli has changed anything. Result-wise, not sure. However, in terms of play, there are some moments of play that I felt that has that kind of Prandelli touch to it. So they will be facing Torino next. And I think that game will be one of those games that, you know, if they win, maybe they're turning the corner. But can I say that they'll beat Fiorentina for certainty? No, I can't. So we will see. But yeah, it it wasn't a convincing victory against the side, which is pretty much confirmed to be playing, I think personally, pretty much confirmed to be playing in Serie next season. Yeah, the the win was important. It's it's opened up a seven point gap now between Fiorentina and the bottom three, um, and of course around about that bottom three we have Genoa and Cagliari who played this weekend. Genoa coming out with a one nil win, absolutely crucial for them. We touched on them quite a bit in recent weeks about their revival, but for Cagliari it all seems to be going wrong. Um, how worried are you for them, Raphael? They do have some. Really good players in Jao Pedro, of course, experiencing Godin, but it's not happening right now. Could they go down this year? There is a very real chance they will. And oh, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation because on the one hand, you do have to admire their, um, I guess, their stubbornness because I, I, just, I just love the right after the game, just off, off the back of losing you know, like six in a row, they, they said they, they'd extended his contract. They announced it right after the game, and I mean it's it is it's a massive gamble because clearly he's not getting the results. His I mean, Di Francesco's stock has just plummeted in the last in the last uh, season and a half, really. So I mean, it's hard it's hard to see it's it, yeah it's it's hard to see them going on a on a run in the same vein that they did at the start of last season. Uh, I don't think they're condemned to relegation just yet because you know you have to wait for the sort of new signings to settle in. I do think getting Duncan in and getting Nangolan in might might give them a bit of an upturn in form. But I think on the other hand, Genoa have been very impressive in the last few weeks. I think it's it was it, it, it didn't really seem like an inspired choice of manager bringing back Balardini in um, back in December, but. It's, it's definitely proven to, well, it's definitely given results and they've won I saw they, they won three three games out of six since he's uh, since he's arrived and I mean he's, he's, he's got them out of the relegation zone he's got them got them playing relatively well he's got Matti actually scoring goals which is which is, which was unlikely to say the least at the start of the season and I think the arrival of of, of Strutman as well from Marseille is a, is a big signing. I think he's managing to he's managing to integrate a lot of these a lot of these players into the, a lot a lot more more seamlessly into the starting eleven. We're seeing Shomorodov, who's basically been one of, basically been their best players in the last few weeks. He's been crucial in that in that sort of upturn in form. So I think mean, I'm just I'm just very impressed by general in general and how they've been how they've got back on their feet really, which obviously is a massive contrast to Cagliari who were just plummeting. Yeah, I think we saw um, at the start of December we thought the Genoa were probably going to go down this season, but they've now opened up a four point gap to the bottom three and, and are looking pretty good right now. 
Okay, and moving on to the final game of the weekend, uh, we had Sampdoria beating Palmer 2 0. Uh, of course, Rafael De Versa uh, was reappointed Palmer manager a couple of weeks back. It hasn't really led to a change in results. Um, they did get a draw against Sassuolo, of course, last weekend, but they've also had a couple of defeats and were knocked out of the Coppa Italia. Um, Francesco, do you do you still feel do you feel they'll go down this season or under Diversa? Do you think he could steer them to safety? Um, I think they're in big trouble. Um, they haven't won now for ten games, um, and I think only Cagliari have done worse than that over the same period. The other thing for for Cagliari and and Parma is that um, the other teams around them have started to pick up points. So Fiorentina picked up in form, Genoa picked up in form, Spezia picked up in form, whilst they have been free-falling. I think, actually, they were better yesterday. Um, I don't know if that's to do with Daversa or just coincidence, but they did give Sampdoria a game, and they were a little bit unlucky, certainly not to at least score one. They could have easily drawn the game, I think, overall. Um, I think the big problem for them is that they're in the relegation zone, and they are already five points off safety. And it's difficult to see how they're going to make those five points up on the teams around them, who I think all seem to have more about. I think even if you look at the immediate future, they play Napoli next, which is a, a real tough fixture. And there's other games between Torino and Fiorentina, for example, Cairin and Sassuolo, where, um, you know, Udinese and Spezia, where, where some of those teams are going to pick up points. And they're going to probably find themselves even further away from safety. So I think because of the gap already and the fact that they are struggling so much, even if Daversa is able to make a difference, I'm I'm not sure it's going to be enough. Yeah, they, they have uh, no team has won fewer games than them this season, just two wins from their 19 games. So it does look to be quite concerning. OK, so let's look ahead to the week ahead. I know you guys have already mentioned a couple of the games coming up, but I, but I want to get your thoughts. I'll first come to you, Raphael. What games in particular are you looking forward to uh, this week? Of course, Coppa Italia in midweek as well. So so which one sort of catch your eye to keep an eye on? I would say the big one in terms of the games this weekend is going to be Atalanta-Lazio. I think we're going to see... It's, it's going to be a game definitely with a lot of goals, a lot of open-ended attacking play. And then at the same time, like later on in the evening, you've got Roma Verona, which also has the potential to be a very, a very interesting game in the sense that Fonseca's obviously got a lot of pressure on him. He's going to want to, you know, make a big statement and win. But at the same time, you have got he is coming up against a well-drilled Verona side in the in Juric's uh, team. So it's going to be an interesting sort of clash of. Uh, of tactical tactical philosophies in a way, so generally there's a lot of uh, a lot of interesting games coming up this weekend. Yeah, for sure, and and of course midweek Coppa Italia, we've got the Milan derby uh, coming up. Jake, how do you see that one playing out, and and what sort of priority do you think both sides are giving to the Coppa Italia? Do you think it is a trophy that both of them are targeting, or do they have bigger fish to fry? I don't think there's any reason why not either side shouldn't prioritise winning the Coppa Italia. I mean, both sides are short on silverware, you know, for the best part of the last decade. So um, either side to win that trophy would be uh, a really good achievement. Uh, I think but both ultimately will have that eye on the league. I think they're both more focused on that. Um, I think it means more to Inter because I think Inter do have to make sure 
Uh, well, in my view, they pick up some form of silverware this season to reflect the, uh, you know, the sort of ambitions of the club and some sort of return on the investment they made in the squad and on the manager. They need to uh, come up with some silverware, whether that be the Scudetto or even just the Copper Italian might suffice potentially. You know, the fact they were out of the Champions League early is not great either. It might sort of buy Conte a bit more time or give him something. Uh, in the bank, credit-wise. So I think it's more of a bigger game for Inter. I think it's more of a priority for them. I, I wouldn't be massively shocked to see uh, Milan try and rest a couple of players. I mean, I think they'd rather win the league. But also, I think ultimately for them, as long as they finish in the top four, the back of the Champions League, they'll be happy. So I think the pressure will be more on Inter for me. I think they do have to make sure there is some sort of return on their investment this season. And the Copper Italian for me is a, a good opportunity. I mean, I know sort of in this country, we downplay the significance of the FA Cup, you know, sort of, you know, a similar sort of level of tournament uh, to the Copper Italia, but it is a piece of silverware ultimately. It's the top domestic trophies. If you're not going to win the league domestically, it's the next best trophy that you can find. So if you can get that in the bank early and you've got a chance of that, you know, by getting through to the final, uh, I don't think you turn it down and, for Inter, it's really important they do show some progress from last season. Milan are already punching massively above their weight this year compared with expectations. So for them, it's less of a bigger deal, in my opinion. Yeah, certainly going to be an intriguing one. I think we're all going to be keeping our eyes on what those lineups are like when they come out uh, to see how seriously both teams do take it. But, but a Milan derby is always a big occasion. Okay, well, thanks a lot for joining me, everyone. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you again soon. All right, bye-bye.